invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus chapter 2. Book of Exodus chapter 2. Again, we celebrate our mothers today. And uh, we're going to look at uh, actually not just one or two. We're actually going to look at three groups of women today that were courageous. Women of courage. And I pray that this will be a blessing to you. Exodus chapter 2. And when you found your place there, let's all stand, if you're able to, for the reading of God's word. We're going to read Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 together. The Bible says, And there went a man out of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not no, or could not no longer hide him, she took him an ark of uh, bulrushes, and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein. And she laid him in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside. When she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. When she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called him his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Again, today we're going to look at women of courage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we again, as we look at your word today, we ask that you would strengthen our hearts and our minds in looking at the example of these women who are courageous because, Lord, they trusted in a faithful God. And so, Lord, we ask that you would be in our midst today. Again, bless your word, I pray, as it's brought forth. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, we're looking at this passage, and as we think of mothers, there's several notable mothers in the Bible that we could definitely look at, and I think it's good to do a study of that, even for the guys, to do a study of women in the Bible. And God has definitely blessed these women, and we're going to see here, there's actually three groups of women that we're going to look at today that were what I call women of courage, women of courage. And I think I wanted this, especially on this Mother's Day, to be a blessing, especially to the moms that are here today. But again, this is something for even the guys that we can appreciate as well. And so when we do that, well, as we look at the events that are going on in the world today, especially in our country, I think most of you have heard by now of the news that has come out or leaked out, depending how you say, out of the Supreme Court, uh, considering the possibility of overturning of Roe versus Wade. For nearly 50 years, our country has carried the moral stain of abortion. Since Roe v. Wade was passed, over 63 million babies have been aborted in this country. While there are signs of optimism, especially by the news of today with Justice Alito and, uh, again, his opinion piece, again, we know that is not the final vote per se, but it does give some optimism that this uh, stain very well could be overturned. But there are still real challenges ahead of us. We must admit that. It is important, though, to understand that the United States is not the only country where abortion is practiced. I think it may be surprising to you that in Israel, of all places, 
having lived there for several years, it is, it is estimated that in Israel that one out of five pregnancies are aborted in Israel. Israel is one of the few countries in the world that abortion is allowed up to the very birth of the child. But we thank God there are some agencies in Israel that are stepping up into the gap to intervene on behalf of those babies and for their families. I'm thankful too here in the United States, even our own community, like Metro Women's Center, for example, that they're on the front lines and intervening and standing in the gap, uh, really in a matter what I would consider of life and death. And this is something that each and every one of us believers should not be callous to with what is going on in our society today. Why is that? Because God is the giver and sustainer of life. We believe that life is sacred. And when a mother gives birth to a child... That is a sacred moment. And that life is sacred. We need to acknowledge that and believe that and practice that as well. Again, thank God for those who are standing in the gap, those who are praying, those who are assisting in different ways. In 2006, our family was ministering in Israel. One of our ministries that we had there was called Project Nehemiah. The ministry is still going strong and uh, helping especially new immigrants that are coming back into Israel. We help the needy as well, doing it in the name of Jesus. And uh, one of our uh, ministry that kind of God put upon our hearts in 2006, my wife and I were praying about uh, kind of a new venture, a new outreach in our ministry that we had there in Tel Aviv. And uh, so we had been um, actually friends with a ministry called Be'er Chaim. Be'er Chaim in Hebrew simply means pro-life. And it's a uh, group of believers in Jesus who, as uh, back in 1988, I believe the year was, they were actually uh, given permission by the government to, um, to do this service. And there's a very small handful, I think, maybe now it's four, there are four different um, ministries that are pro-life agencies in, in Israel. Uh, most of them are small. Be'er Chaim is probably one of the greatest or the biggest one of them. But anyways, we sought to, to work with them. There's their logo there. And so, uh, again, we contacted Oded and uh, Sandy Shoshani, uh, who are, are still there working with it, and some of their volunteers. And um, our, our church uh, there in Tel Aviv, we actually supported them financially, but we wanted to do something more. God placed upon our hearts to do something more and be there on the front lines of that. Mandy and I prayed about this together, and uh, it was actually, I think, Mandy, you came up with the name. But anyways, we were reading Exodus chapter 2. In chapter 1 for that, and we're going to look at the story more in depth here in a moment. But God put upon our hearts to begin a ministry, what we called Operation Moses. And with Operation Moses, uh, we, our desire was to work with Be'er Chaim and other pro-life agencies in Israel to help young mothers who were considering abortion and to help them in different ways to save their babies and provide assistance to them as they welcome their babies into this world. So God, uh, we... we <laughs> It was really a big step of faith for us. We had a full-time ministry, full-time work that was going on there. And so, God, how is this going to happen? And so um, her, her parents were still involved there. And her dad, he likes to do a lot of things big. And so, my word, we just rolled out the red carpet for these ministries and for the, the families there. And so, as we worked with Bet Chaim and other agencies, they would give us the name of a, um, of a potential mother 
And uh, we would get in contact with them. And, of course, they would do the upfront counseling with them and try to help them and assist them to try to convince them. I don't know if you realize, like I said, one out of five pregnancies in Israel end in abortion today. Um, abortion is, is paid for by the government. Um, and if you are in the IDF, in the Israeli Defense Forces, women who you get actually free, two free abortions in the service, in the military. Um, and if you don't do that, then you are discharged from the military okay so it's it's and anyways make a long story short there's a lot of confusion in israel believe it or not of exactly what life is all about especially for for babies being born nonetheless uh it's interesting what happens so operation moses was started so we would receive and get in contact with these families and with these mothers uh, who decided to keep their baby and so a lot of the, the big uh, concern that a lot of these mothers have was this. If I have this child, I don't have any means to support our family. They look at more of it as a financial thing. Uh, I think mothers and fathers, for that matter, you can attest, are, are babies expensive? Oh, some more than others, right? <laughs> You're probably thinking of which child is right. But anyways, as you think about that, though, the, the cost and the economic issues that, that a lot of these mothers face weighed heavily on them whether or not they should, should keep their baby or not, whether or not they should go through with the pregnancy. And so what we did is this. We kind of stepped in that gap where Be'echaim would try to convince the, the mothers, you know, carry this child Full turn, have the baby. And then we would step in to say, we will help you now that the baby is born. I hate to say this, but you've heard it too. When you listen to uh, abortion advocates, and some of them come out and say, you Christians, you say saving the baby, but then you don't help us after that. That is an absolute lie. Okay? We made, we made the difference in saying that, no, we will help that mother and that baby and that family, for that matter, and we are going to help you get off to a great start in life. That was our goal. And do it in the name of Jesus, the Messiah. And so Operation Moses starts. So when the baby was born, we would come usually within, uh, when, the, when the mother got home with the baby, usually within the first couple weeks. And uh, we came and we just brought in a whole van load full of things. So we have, you can see here we have like a, a baby bath and other things. Here's the baby. This is an Ethiopian lady that is here, Ethiopian Jewish lady. And so here we are. This is one of our workers, Marina. Uh, and so we gave her everything you can imagine. Bottles, pacifiers, clothes, everything gets started, things like that. Uh, the next thing that we do, see how the van was packed? Not only that, we would give strollers. We'd actually give a crib, also a changing table. Uh, we, we would provide pretty much a whole nursery for this mother. And you've got to remember, these ladies live in usually pretty small apartments. Uh, but we would pack everything in there. We provide, again, here's some diapers that are here, blankets, a little bit of food to get started with, and to bless these mothers as they bring in. Okay? Another thing we did here... So there's Ilana, Ilana Gross, she's oh, actually on staff, still works there at Project Nehemiah. And uh, Ilana, she's uh, native-born Israeli. And then here's Sandra Shoshani, and then their helper as well from uh, Be'er Chaim. And here we are with a mother here bringing another baby in. I wish I had time to tell you story after story of how literally lives were changed uh, with these mothers. And not just the mothers, with the fathers, the whole families, that they would get involved and they would get excited uh, in, in all this. And so as the babies were born, we come in and we assist them. And on top of that, we help them get their nursery set up. But then for an entire year, we 
had sponsors in the United States that they would support on a monthly basis. Every month, we would get them a supply of formula and diapers and maybe off and on clothes that were available. And so every month for, for the first year of that baby's life, that baby had everything, the general basics needed that were provided for that baby and for that mother. And again, God worked in amazing, amazing ways. I'll be honest with you, the ministry grew so much by leaps and bounds that uh, I think before Operation Moses started, before 2006, I want to say Ber Chaim, they were helping, I think it was somewhere around, uh, they were able to rescue somewhere around 30 or so babies a year. I think that was the number. Anyways, in that first year that Operation Moses kicked off, we, we helped save 75 babies from abortion. Since 2006, the ministry, we, it became so much for Project Nehemiah that, I mean, we were doing it almost a couple times a week. It was so much that we, it was just hard to balance everything. And so we talked with Be'er Chaim, and we said, you know, this is kind of our situation. We, we still got this other ministry we were doing, Helping the Needy, which was going full force. It says, but what can we do? So they were able to take that ministry on themselves. And today, Operation Moses, what Mandy and I started from our heart, is now going over. And they have now rescued well over 2,000 babies from abortion. And that's just in Israel. So praise God for Operation Moses. And the work that is still going on, Sandy Shoshani is still there and doing a great work. And we, we just praise the Lord. Again, we're doing that as the hands and feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, but I want to talk today about three women now. And this is kind of the heartbeat of, of, uh, of Operation Moses and where it came from. But again, it's great to look at the text. We're not doing just uh, simple care but there's a reason why we do it. It's not just to say, babies, I, I, I would be very surprised if there wasn't a, a lady in this room that did not love holding a baby. All right? It, but anyways, but out of this, just that tenderness and saving lives, which is this. But the, our goal is this, is to point them to the truth of who Jesus is, who God really is, and have that personal relationship with God. This is our ultimate goal. In doing this. So saving lives of babies is one thing. But we want that family to grow in the grace. To know about Jesus Christ and to follow him. That is our ultimate prayer. Ultimate goal that we have. But in the Bible. There are three groups of women. That we find here. Exodus chapter 1 verse 15. uh, Through the rest of that chapter. We read about two Hebrew midwives. Pua and Shifra. That were there as, as, uh, as, um, who bravely and uh, courageously stood up against Pharaoh's decree of killing the babies that were there. It was basically infanticide. And we also know this as well, that uh, Moses' mother, Jacobed, we find that her name later on in, in Exodus chapter 6, Jacobed, and then their daughter, her daughter Miriam. These are also ladies who courageously uh, basically surrendered Moses to, Lord, whatever you'd have to do, and they cared for him. And then there's a third woman of courage that we often overlook in this story, and that is Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter, who knew full and well her father's command uh, that the Hebrew babies were supposed to be killed, she had compassion on Moses. She took him and she cared for him in spite of the decree that her father had made. These were women of courage. And these are what we're going to look at today. So as we look at that, I want us to focus a little bit here on the need it is to... uh, We see here, first of all, that Moses was saved by courageous women. 
These three groups in particular. Even so, we and others should stand the gap to help families, whether it be in Israel or even here in our own community, by showing them the true love of the Messiah. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Very important. So again, as we celebrate this Mother's Day, we stand with these courageous women who seek to honor God as they live by faith. The Bible, again, gives us several examples of courageous women who are blessed by God as they feared him, even in dangerous and perilous times. I don't know about you, but courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. And I pray that every man, every woman, especially as we look today, would follow this example. Kind of the big theme of this message today is this, that courageous women can trust in a faithful God. Courageous women can trust in a faithful God. We notice, uh, kind of as a background of this passage, we notice, first of all, the persecution of the Jewish people. Again, the children of Israel, they end up in Egypt, largely because of Joseph. Remember, his brother sold him into slavery, but God raised up Joseph to really deliver his people. Again, the Jewish people, they grew uh, in abundance. But anyways, there rose up a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph and put the children of Israel to slavery in Egypt. So the persecution of the Jewish people under Pharaoh happened really in three ways. First of all, there was affliction. They were made slaves. They made bricks. They built city, treasure cities for Pharaoh. Later on, we notice that Pharaoh, he says, this, these folks are growing too much. They're getting stronger, and we must put a stop to it. They, he basically said, no, we got we to gotta do something about them. So he made them slaves. Well, that didn't work. And so the next thing he does is he calls the midwives. And again, chapter 1, verse 15, he calls the Hebrew midwives Shifra and Puah. It says here in chapter 1, verse 16, And he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and you see them upon the stools, or a birthing stool, if it be a son, then kill him, for the daughter shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not, as the king of Egypt commanded, but saved the men children alive. We see the attempted killing babies at birth. By the way, this is probably the closest thing you could say to what is partial birth abortion. As that baby was about to be delivered, basically coming through the birth canal, their, their job was to basically, if it was a boy, to kill it. Immediately let the girls live. As we see, there was attempted killing of the baby boys. Again, that didn't work. So Pharaoh, what does he do? He brings it up another notch. He says, okay, all baby boys need to be thrown into the Nile River. And so orders were then to drown the baby boys into the river. One thing I think is interesting from this passage is this, that the more that Pharaoh tried to thwart God's people, the more God blessed his people. What do I mean by that? Look with me in chapter 1, verse 12. He says here, but the more that they afflicted them, the more that Pharaoh afflicted the Jewish people, the more they multiplied and grew. And they, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. You, uh, later on, we're going to see the same thing with the midwives, and later on, even with Jochebed. And we're going to see that, that pattern that's going on here. What we see is this, that God is at work, even in these events, to bring upon about his plan. And no one, not even the great power of the Gentile nations, Egypt in particular, can stand in his way. God is sovereign, and he will bless the seed of Abraham. That's a fact. Well, let's now talk a little bit more about these groups. Let's first of all talk about the Hebrew midwives, Pua and Shifra. We see, first of all, that they refused to obey Pharaoh's orders. They refused to do that. 
Again, it says here in verse 17, the Hebrew midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt uh, had commanded them. I guess you could say this is the first case presented of civil disobedience in the Bible where they would rather obey God rather than man. You see, there is a what we call a fear of God versus a fear of man. It's important to do no matter what, even though the sky is falling apart, okay? It's important that we would fear God. We would obey God rather than simply obey man, okay? One thing that's interesting is this, that the Hebrew midwives, when uh, they were confronted by, by the Pharaoh in verse 18, it says this in verse chapter 1, And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have ye done this thing and saved the men children of life? alive. And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. It's interesting here. They, they kind of told a, a little lie, if you will. But I think what one church father said this, that God rewarded their, these women for their piety, not for their deceit. Okay? What they basically says is, these Hebrew women, you don't understand Pharaoh, these Hebrew women, they're basically, they call us, hey, the baby's coming. By the time we get to the house, the baby's already born. Now what do you want us to do? Okay? That was kind of what was going on there. But the, you understand this, that the, these women, they refused to obey uh, Pharaoh's orders. And in doing that, they were blessed. It says here in chapter 20, Therefore, God dwelt well with the midwives, and, w- and the people multiplied and waxed very mightily. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses or, or households, is the idea. In other words, that God blessed the midwives with families of their own that grew and added to the children of Israel. Pretty amazing. I like what Alfred Edersheim says concerning this. By not carrying out the ruthless command of the king, they had helped to build up the families of Israel, and their own families were therefore built up by God. Pretty amazing. So again, these were courageous women because they trusted in a faithful God. Pretty amazing when you see that. Let's now go to probably the, the, probably the famous mother in this story, and that's Jochebed. That's the mother of Moses herself. We read the verses earlier, verses 1 through 4, talk about, about Jochebed, who was from the tribe of Levi. Her husband's name was Amram. And she conceived and bare a son, chapter 2, verse 2. And when she saw him, saw Moses, that he was a goodly child, she hid him for three months. It's interesting, the name of Jochebed. Jochebed, her name means Jehovah is glory. Jehovah is glory. That will come into play here in a little bit. But Jochebed, what did she do? She dared to save her baby by faith. She dared to save her baby by faith. As she looked upon when Moses was born, can not name Moses yet, but you understand. This is who the baby is, all right? When she saw the baby, it says here in verse 2 that he was a goodly child. The word good here in Hebrew is simply tov, but it has the idea of, of having a beautiful appearance. Later on, Acts chapter 7, Stephen preaches, kind of uses that term. In other words, uh, you, you've maybe heard that say that baby has the face only a mother could love. You know what? Mothers, your babies are beautiful, right? No one's going to say otherwise, all right? And that's the idea. But it, it was very obvious to everyone around, especially to the family, that this appearance, this goodly appearance, or beautiful baby, boy, it really captured the heart of his parents. That's so important. It captured the heart. When you see your baby for the first time, face to face, you look into the baby's eyes, you see the features on that. That moment is forever frozen in time. Can I say something as a dad? Sorry, Father's Day is next month, but I want to give a little shout out. I remember we went when, before Linnea was born, 
uh, Mandy and I, we went through kind of like a, a birthing class uh, in preparation. And I will never forget what our instructor said to this. It says, guys, when that baby is born... And after everything's cleaned up, I want you to hold that baby for 10 minutes and let no one steal a second of that time. Well, I sure remember that. And so when Linnea was born, and after everything was settled, I held Linnea in my arms for 10 minutes. I watched the clock. My dad was there, and he was like, son, come on, my turn. I said, nope, there's still time on the clock. I'm going to take every moment. I'm going to savor that moment. Okay? She was a beautiful baby. All right? She's beautiful now. All right. <laughs> All right. So praise God for that. Anyways, one thing that's interesting, I like when one commentator says that the very beauty of this child was to her a peculiar token of divine approval. And this was a sign that God has something special designed for him. And so in other words, Moses wasn't just any baby. Remember, she already had two babies by this point, Miriam and Aaron. Okay, but now Moses comes and she knows there's something special about him. I think that's maybe why she just favored him so much. You see here that Moses was then hid by, for, uh, for three months, and that was by faith. The book of Hebrews in the Hall of Faith t- tells this in Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper or beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. You know, in doing this, Jochebed, she received a reward to be mentioned in the Hall of Faith this way. She received a reward. We also know this, that she was intentional. She was intentional in how she did it. Look with me in verse 3. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch, put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Okay, and then he says, her sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. So as they looked here uh, at this, understand that Jochebed, her intentions, she was very intentional. Her actions were well planned. I think even as she put the baby, Moses, into the basket, put it in the river, she, I think, did this on purpose. I think she probably watched even the Pharaoh's daughter uh, in the d- different daily reactions, er, actions that she did. Kind of watched her schedule, maybe timed it just right. But nonetheless, everything was there. One thing that we noticed, too, is this. We see the actions of, of, uh, of Jochebed. But again, a hero in the story we sometimes look over is Miriam herself. Miriam most likely was between 10 to 12 years of age, something around that anyway. And so we see that Miriam as well, she, what did she do? It's something we, we forget is this, that Miriam, she bravely followed her mother's instructions and she bravely spoke to Pharaoh's daughter. Right. You got to remember this, Miriam, Jochebed, that family, they were slaves in Egypt. What right did she have to approach the princess, if you will? And so it says here in verse 7, it says, Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, That should jump off the page to you. That is a brave young lady right there. And God blessed her for that. In doing this, we see here the whole part of the story. Remember, Pharaoh's daughter takes Moses up. She draws him out. Again, her heart just melts when she sees Moses. Everyone did when they saw Moses, okay? But anyways, what happens is this, that God blessed Jochebed as well. Look with me in verse 9. Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Miriam, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. Okay? So Pharaoh's daughter, uh, what does she do? She ends up paying Jochebed to nurse her, her own child. 
I, whether she realized or not, we don't know that. But nonetheless, she was rewarded. So you see here, as much as Pharaoh is trying to thwart God's plan, God keeps blessing and blessing and blessing his people. I think that's absolutely amazing. And that, was, that happens when we stand with courage and faith. Okay? Understand this as well, that Jacob's major role was saving and nurturing Moses during these years. Remember, these are formative, probably the preschool years. Probably she kept Moses until he was probably around three or four years of age. One thing I can say this for our mothers is this. It, I, I encourage you, cherish those moments when they're young. I think mo- many of you, especially the grandmas here, you all don't miss those moments when, they're, when those children are little. Mm-hmm. Take every, and by the way, grandmothers, cherish those moments with your little ones, little grandkids. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't it a blessing when you do that? Cherish those moments. And we see here, Jochebed got to do that, even in the midst of a difficult situation. As we see this, there's a third person, or third group. That's Pharaoh's daughter herself. Again, we don't usually recognize her as being a hero of this, but she definitely was a woman of courage. Why? Because she courageously and lovingly cared for Moses. We see here, Again, in verse uh, 5 and 6, Pharaoh's daughter goes down to the river. Okay, in verse 5, And when she had opened that basket, the ark, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. I don't think that was an accident, right? I think God probably maybe poked Moses. I don't know what happened. But anyways, Moses cried. I don't know about you, but this, you know, think of your kids. Some of your kids you might want to put in a basket down the river, right? (laughs) But in this case, what happens when that baby cries? For us guys, we can like, okay, how are we going to, we, we look, we're problem solvers, guys, right? We say, okay, how can we get this baby to be quiet? You know, we try to feed it, take it for, we do everything we can because we're trying to fix the problem. For ladies, what happens when that baby cries? Oh, you just want to be there, help it. I don't care if that baby cries or not. I just want to hold that baby. That's exactly what Pharaoh's daughter did. Now, she knew full and well that this was not an Egyptian child. This was a Hebrew child. She knew full well. But in doing this, the cry of the baby captured the heart of Pharaoh's daughter. In other words, this was motherly instinct right there. What's interesting is this, that as we see about Pharaoh's command here that man's counsel cannot hinder that which God has determined to come to pass. Remember this, that the children of Israel, they cried for a deliverer, a deliverer to free them from slavery and from bondage in Egypt. And God heard their cry and sends Moses. And he does it through great obstacles and great danger. God brings his deliverance. It's interesting here as we look at the story that the very measure which Pharaoh had taken for the destruction of Israel eventually led to their deliverance. Had it not been for the command to cast the Hebrew children into the river, Moses would not have been rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. I think it's amazing when you see that whole story come here together. Again, we see here three groups of courageous women who risked their lives put themselves in danger, so to speak, to rescue one child. And by the way, we don't see too much of the suffering of other families. But again, the writer here, Moses himself, he's writing his own story. Isn't that kind of interesting? He's doing that, and he's giving us one specific instance how God intervened and all that. I think it's interesting for us as well how we should speak up, and for ladies especially here today, that I encourage you to be courageous by trusting a faithful God. It's interesting, as we look at Proverbs chapter 31, verse, uh, verse 8 and 9, anyways, it says here, Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all that are such appointed to death. The verse basically says to speak up for those who have no voice, is the idea. 
babies today really don't have a voice of their own. You ladies, you are their voice, their first voice. And so this is important as we see this. Each of these women, whether they realized or not, did exactly that. As we look at the birth of Moses, I like what Chuck, Chuck Swindoll says concerning this. As we look at this passage here today, number one, hard times don't erase God's promises. Hard times don't erase God's promises. God is still faithful. He is always there, right? Number two, he says here, harsh treatment doesn't escape God's notice. God knew full and well the struggles and the affliction that the Jewish people were experiencing in Egypt. When you go through trials as well, that does not escape God's notice. He knows and he cares for you. We also know, number three, that heavy tests don't eclipse God's concern. The tests that Jochebed in particular faced by surrendering her baby to the river. It is interesting, she did kind of obey Pharaoh's command to put the child in the river. But she probably said, well, Pharaoh didn't exactly say how to put the child in the river, right? There was a, that's her way out. But nonetheless, the heavy test that she endured did not eclipse God's concern. God obviously cared for that baby. He cares for you. And he cares for your family. Understand this. The message of this passage is simple. God is faithful. And he sovereignly works in and through people for his will to be accomplished. Even Gentile, even, even unsaved. Pharaoh's daughter, we don't ever know what happened to her. Maybe we'll see her in heaven. We just don't know that. But God often worked through other Gentile leaders as well to accomplish his plan. Think of Cyrus who issued a decree for the children of Israel to move back to Israel after the captivity. God uses those people to accomplish his will in that he is faithful and he is sovereign. We understand that Pharaoh faced the judgment of God because of his treatment for the Jewish people. The bondage and the affliction, even the basically the call for genocide in, in a holocaust of its own. As Pharaoh attempted that, Pharaoh faced the judgment of God for his treatment of the Jewish people. You know, it's interesting as we look at this passage, we're reminded of what God gave in his covenant with Abraham. He says that, I will bless them that bless thee. I will curse him that curseth thee. And in thee, Abraham, all families of the world will be blessed. That does not go unnoticed by God. I believe if we bless the Jewish people, that God will bless us. If we curse the Jewish people, God will curse. And Pharaoh is a prime example of how that works. As we look here on this Mother's Day, we remember these women of courage who feared the Lord despite their difficult circumstances. Even so, women are challenged to live after the legacy of Jochebed, after the midwives, and even after Pharaoh's daughter. But Jochebed in particular, as we look at her life, she lived up to the meaning of her name. Jehovah is glory. God was glorified through her obedience. And her family was blessed. Here's the point. God always honors obedience. He always honors obedience. So with that, let's follow the example of these women of courage and glorify God. Courageous women can trust a faithful God. You think of this, with the obedience of Jochebed in basically trying to rescue her, putting her baby in God's hands, we see Moses who delivered his people, delivered his people from slavery. We also know that there was a prophet like unto Moses. His name is Jesus. Jesus the Messiah, who also delivered his people from their sins. Praise God for that precious promise. 
It goes without saying here, even on this Mother's Day, that we need to be reminded that ultimately this, this does point to Jesus as the Redeemer and Savior of the world. If you're here today and you're without Jesus Christ, you don't know for sure if you would die today where you would spend eternity. I want you to know that Jesus came to this world born of another precious lady, Miriam or Mary. He lived a perfect and sinless life. Yet he went to the cross and died for you and for me, for our sins that we should have been punished for. Yet God in his mercy and his grace, through Jesus Christ, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, has given us the hope of salvation and eternal life, forgiveness from sins, and a home in heaven. And we praise God for that precious promise. We see again in the Bible over and over, there's a legacy of women who were courageous because they trusted in a faithful God. Women today, here we are 2,000 years later after Jesus, there are women today that also there's a call to be courageous and to trust in a faithful God. And God will honor that. By the way, guys, you can also be courageous by trusting a, a faithful God. All right? But ladies, this is for you today. Happy Mother's Day. May the Lord richly bless you all. Great is the Lord's faithfulness.